Are we doing this? Really? Wait for it. Are we doing this? Wait for it. Ow! What the fuck? WTF. And it's also, ah, what the fuck? What's wrong with me? It's time for WTF. What the fuck? With Mark Marin. Okay, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck buddies? What the fucking ears? Whatever you want to call yourselves, uh, this is Mark Marin. Thank you for listening to the show. Thank you for coming on board. Thank you for all the wonderful uh, subscription donations and donations. I'll be getting all your swag out very shortly. Uh, it was an overwhelming response, and we certainly really appreciate it. And I'm so glad that uh, everybody's enjoying it. I, I have to be honest with you. Right now, I am in a hotel room in Scotland. Glasgow. I don't know when you're going to be listening to this. I know many of you keep track of my whereabouts, so you'll know that I'm not here when you listen to it. But I thought it was important that I at least get something in the can from Scotland uh, with my impressions of Scotland and, and how it went here. I, I really couldn't find anybody to interview because I'm only here for like, when did I get here? I got here Wednesday, so Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. For four days, I flew 12 hours. I'm just now adjusting to the time difference and getting past the jet lag. I've done most of my shows. I'm doing one more show tonight. And the only thing, well, not the only thing, but one thing I can say that I'm happy about in terms of my experience over here is this is really the first time I've come to another country, uh, you know, flown uh, intercontinental, been in the UK or, or, or anywhere else where I have not felt like a complete outsider, like some sort of freak that just landed from another planet and uh, made assumptions that everybody was looking at me like I didn't fit in or that I was a weirdo. Because quite frankly, I, I, I am a little xenophobic, but I also feel that way anywhere. I don't know if it's a big revelation. I don't know if this is a cathartic moment for me, but I can feel out of place in my driveway. And I never really put it together, but I, I maybe it's some sign of growth, some sign of evolution. I, I'm, I'm personal evolution. I, I'm not really sure, but I, I am very grateful for the fact that I came over here to Glasgow. Uh, I was relatively fearless, and, and within hours, I, I felt very comfortable in the city. Uh, the Scots have been nothing but pleasant, and as audiences, they've been great. The audiences initially were were very small. I, I mean, I got here the first night, and the day I, you know, I tried to catch up on some sleep, and then we went and did the show. Todd Barry's around; he's here as well. So we go do the show, the first show of the festival, and it's in a basement in a pub called McFab's. And there's literally the place maybe seated 30 people, and there was about seven there. But oddly, uh, four of them were Mark Marin fans from listening to WTF. I have no idea the international appeal of the show and until I recently found out that about 15% of our downloads are international. And the great thing is, is that there were what the fuckers at every one of the shows I did here. And in that first show, they were a bulk of the audience. But the xenophobia thing, I just started to realize that so much of my discomfort, and I don't know if anybody else can really relate to that, that I, I just feel out of place no, no matter where I am. It takes me a while to adjust, to, to realize that, uh, hey, we're all people here. It doesn't matter what culture we're from. It doesn't matter. I mean, I feel that way with my neighbors. I, I feel that way at any event. I guess that's one of the reasons I became a comic. But also there's the whole issue of when you go on the road that it's a different planet. Uh, that has to do with self-abuse. I, I, I have to be honest with you. I've eaten more meat 
in the form of sausages and things that I never thought I would eat that I, I really ever am going to eat again. I got here the first I was here. I get up. There's a free buffet. I get a complimentary buffet at the hotel. All right, and they've got they've got sausages and things I I've never seen before. And of course, I want to eat all of them. I just open up these platters, these steam table platters, and they have something called uh, blood pudding or black pudding. They have haggis patties. They have sausage links. They have the thick cut uh, UK bacon. They have something called Lorne sausage, which is literally a square patty of what seemed to be deep fried sausage. And I don't know what happened to me, but it was almost as if I had been given a license to do drugs again. I couldn't have been more excited to shove what they call the uh, square sausage, I think is what they call it, you know, right into my face. So I ate a little bit of all of this stuff. And I'd heard about haggis. I never ate it before. And I was, I was still frying to that. I only took a little taste of that. But the black pudding or the blood pudding. Loved it. They had beans. They had tomatoes. They had the mushrooms, the full English breakfast thing going on. They had the, uh, they had something called potato scones. So I shoved all this shit into my face and I was sweating pig fat for two days. I was walking around Glasgow thinking like, God, are they frying food everywhere here? And I realized it was coming off of me. I was sweating fried fat. And it, it, two days I was swe- I didn't even know my own smell. I, I woke up thinking there was somebody else in my bed, and I realized it was me because it smelled so fucking weird. Did that stop me the next day from shoving more of that uh, square sausage in my face? No, because what happened was I talked to a Glaswegian, and I asked him, do you eat this way every day? Because I'm going to try. I mean, if you guys do it, I'm going to do it. I, I'm going to run with you. And they said, no, of course we don't eat that every day. What do you think? We're fucking stupid? And I'm like, well, well, how do you eat it? Well, he told me like the Lauren sausage, the square sausage, which I looked up on uh, Wikipedia to do a little research. Um, and I learned some things about it. I learned that, uh, you know, how it's made and what it's cut with. It basically comes in. It's like a brick of ground up pig and whatnot with a little bit of uh, rusk filler, which is a type of uh, uh, filler. And they also make a biscuit. You know, I don't need to, you know, anyone can do their own research. So we said what what usually they do is it's sort of like a quick breakfast type of food where you order sausage sandwich, square sausage sandwich. So you get the square sausage and you get a potato scone, which is almost like a pancake or like a, a piece of chapati bread. And you put that on top of the square sausage and you put that on a roll. So I did that the next day and I put mustard on it. Then I talked to another guy. And I said, you know, we're talking again about the square sausage and about breakfast situations. And he said, yeah, you just, you can either, yeah, you put it on a roll and then you put ketchup on it or tomato chutney or something. I'm like, what about mustard? He's like, oh, no, you, you would never put mustard on that. And so I felt like an idiot. And I had to fight the urge this morning to do it with ketchup. I just can't handle it anymore. I had muesli and some fruit this morning. I, I've had enough. But I, am, I, I do realize this about the road. I mean, I haven't even gone to the gym. I haven't done anything because it feels like a special world out here in the road. There's something about being in a hotel room, being that displaced that you think it affords you some sort of freedom. I, I, I had this moment this morning where I, I really understood, you know, how David Carradine, you know, hung himself while he was masturbating in a hotel room on the road. Because you feel like, I mean, is that something you can do at home? I don't think so. I don't think that's a, that's a hotel room thing, you know, the hanging yourself from the closet while you jerk off. I'm not saying I do it, you know, and I'm not saying it even crossed my mind. I don't want to risk my life 
masturbating, but I'm saying I understand it. You know, it's like I'm on the road. I'm a little dislocated. I'm a little lonely. I don't feel like walking around the city uh, that I'm in. You know, I've already seen it. I don't know anybody here. I'm here to work. I'm going to hang myself from a door and jerk off. I, I can understand that. That's all I'm saying. But getting back to uh, Scotland, I, I am thrilled. The uh, audiences were great. I did Scorching the Earth. Uh, some of you may have seen that. That was the, the, uh, the, the big divorce show that I put together after I went through that horrible time in my life. And I have to be honest with you. I think I say that too much. But the Glaswegians were great, a great audience. I don't know how many people were there, but I was nervous about it because it's one, it's a singular story that runs through a lot of painful stuff. I had a hard enough time doing it in the States, and I really didn't know how it was going to go over. I hadn't done it in four or five months and I was to do it for, you know, these people in another country. And I was you know, kind of frightened. And it went great. And it was then that I realized that there is a different tradition to comedy here, that there is a storytelling tradition in the UK and that they are able to listen to that process, to the, the human voice of stories as opposed to, I mean, they can listen to jokes. And I did a set at a comedy club and yeah, they like jokes, but they can certainly listen to a lot of setup. They can certainly listen to longer stories that may not pay off as much as uh, shorter jokes and be completely compelled by it, which is so refreshing and, and so uh, encouraging. And, and it was, uh, it was a great experience. I really think it was the best performance of that show I'd ever done. I do think that has something to do with the distance uh, from it. That emotionally, I might be actually getting through this shit. I mean, I should be. I mean, Christ, you know, she had a baby for fuck's sake. I mean, I, you know, I mean, what am I going to do? Can't hold on to, what am I holding on to? What am I going to sit around and think that she did that at me? But overall, the experience here has been great. The, the weather's been great. I'm done with the sausage. I've met nothing but nice people. I have one more show tonight at the same place I started. So it's going to be a nice way to bookend it. Back at McFab's, maybe there'll be nine people. I don't know. But uh, all the shows were great. I Oh, yeah, I ate at a curry place last night. Uh, I, this is another lesson I learned about the U.K. that I'd, I had no idea. I'm used to eating, you know, Middle Eastern food or Indian food in America. You know, you order a kebab, you get one kebab. You know, you order, oh, God, what did I do last night? I went to some, I guess they call it a curry shop or a curry place or a curry joint or whatever the fuck it is. There's a lot of these Indian curry places so i go in i order two shish kebabs and some pakoras and they gave me three mountains of food and styrofoam casings just like tandoori chicken kebabs smothered in onions and syrupy sugary sauce and a whole box of pakoras and i just uh, i ate uh, most of it you know what maybe i will put a belt around my neck and hang myself from the door and masturbate this might be my last broadcast how often do you box um we're kind of about six six days a week five days a week so you go to the gym six days a week and what do you hit the bag you hit other sure. people I hit what do you the bag every now and then i spar i get headaches so i'm not a big fan of being punched in the face it really is more of a deterrent for me than it is for some a deterrent 
The oh the the pain. Just the yeah, like I get headaches. Like it's it becomes a problem. You know? When if you get hit in the head too much. Yeah, and I think the guys who take to it, not unlike anybody doing comedy, it's not like just about somebody's ability to think of funny stuff and then yeah. make people laugh. It's the ability to kind of sit through the things that you would need thick skin in order to get through. I right, I right. Fight games. But do you, are you a good fighter? I mean, did you no, do it when you were a kid? I'm not a good fighter. You're not. I'm not good. I mean, better than you know the average guy. Yeah. And yeah. you've been doing it for how long? All your uh, years, just training, but on, on and off. I mean, not like in a way that would allow you to really progress in a way that would... Right. But but that's all you need after a certain age. What the fuck are you going to do? Yeah, you're gonna be, no, 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 no. not going to be a professional fighter. No, that's no, not no, part no, of the no. dream. No, it's not part of my dream. No. This <laughs> fucking Mickey Rourke walked away from it all. Yeah, look what he, he walked looks away like. from it all. He, he, yeah. he walked away from it all to do what? To make himself a freak. Do you know um, him? Are you friends with him? He seems like no, the kind of guy no, you'd be friends with. No, no, you don't run with that crowd? I don't know. Who are you running with? Crowd. I know you're a late night Hollywood kind of person. No, I see man. what's going on with you. No more? Uh, as a matter of fact, that I shit is really true. Sort of, this has been what the all 9 a.m.s were about. It was like trying to create structure in an otherwise structureless environment became the objective. You know, it's like really trying to. So you wake up at 9. I'm, try- I'm really want to look at shit, man. I'm trying to figure it out. Which know? shit are you looking at? I mean, that's a big thing. There's a lot of shit. I mean, how are you, you going right. to render it and down so a little I'm bit? I'm just starting. I mean, render it down in that, like, I don't know, it's like scratching through the walls of a prison with a spoon, you know? It's like... It takes time? Or it takes it's, time uh, or it's a lost and cause. Which one? <laughs> oh, yeah, right. Exactly. You could have gone out of way with that. <laughs> no, no. Time and, 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 and effort, you know? And like and, and you got to want to do it. you got to show up and... Well, I got to be honest with you. You know, I've known you a long time. I think I knew you. I probably met you when you were just close to restarting out. Like you did comedy. You want me to move this? You well, I was doing pitching. it. Yeah, I like I like an you, elbow. And then you went to, uh, and then you went into acting. Then you came back. So what is that? What are we looking at? Well, right it, now? early on, I started when I was doing twenty one. Was the first time I did stand up. I was twenty one years old, and it was, um, uh, and I was there. I was in and out and some open mics, and then I was doing the this acting class stuff and I started doing a couple of plays and then right. you know you, you get just, involved with it's that it's not like I can call into the clubs and get stage time so it was well, just I'm, I'm trying to fig- in and out right oh, I'm yeah. trying to figure out when I first started seeing it was probably 1999 2000 right um, Boston Comedy Club maybe yeah, 2001 maybe a little well, later you were already people knew you so I, I had seen you before that right but I'm just trying to think you, when I started seeing I you showed up on the radar maybe yeah right and when I first saw you this is here's the history of uh, why I and we've discussed this problem before a little bit. I'm not going to do anything that's going to make you too crazy here. No, no, I, I can talk about anything. I know. I know you can. I know that's what I like about you. <clears throat> I saw you. You had this laid back kind of delivery. You kind of yeah. almost like talk like a black guy. You made it feel like 1957 to 1962. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, you, you were very deliberate and smooth. And then you were doing that for a while. Yeah. And then I hadn't seen you in a while, and then you come out here, and then you're doing this frenetic, almost, uh, you know, crazy, slightly you know, retarded thing. Interesting, yeah. But then I said to you, I said, what, you're going to do yeah. the retard thing now? You're going to do the Mitch Fatale? I mean, wait, why don't you be who you really are? And you yeah, said, yeah. maybe this is who I really am. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I yeah. appreciated that. Well, yeah, no, and you know, I, I really never thought about it like, I, maybe that frenetic energy came from a place that needs to be worked on, but I never thought about it like a character. Right. And it was just sort of going with the flow. Right. But I really wanted to write good stuff, and I feel like that was part of the 9 a.m. thing. Where I, well, I this is like, what I'm seeing now. Yeah. Like, you got some very, you know, long form, smart bits yeah. that turn back on themselves, that are well-researched. No, yeah, yeah, and yeah. you're talking no, about your life. You were talking about, uh, you know, like you did a piece I saw the other night about your father's funeral that I don't even know if it was a full comedy piece yet. Have you been able yeah. to make that work? Um, no, some of it, you know, the, I, the thing about communicating the stuff about the junkyard, which is why I started writing essays when we were Let's, let's not drop, let's not drop, let's go into it from right. the beginning. Like, this is about where you come from. 
Right. Now you're you got an interesting story. Yeah, I grew up in a junkyard uh in in Jersey for the most part. My father was an uneducated Jewish business guy from the Bronx, kind of a hustler. My mother was a, a an intellectual hippie wasp uh from California and she was involved in a commune. She was very wrapped up in a commune. Not at the junkyard. It wasn't a commune. No, it was junkyard. a commune. They would meet at St. Patrick's Cathedral in the Upper West Side of Manhattan. Where was the commune? Oh, they they'd meet at the they cathedral. They would meet at the cathedral in Manhattan right. and I'm in Jersey in the junkyard. My father's right. So place. they're separate. They're divorced. Yeah, but they lived in the same house for the following 10 years on separate levels. It was a two-floor house. Wow. And, All right. Um and there were people in the basement. There was somebody else in the backyard. You didn't know these of, people or Yeah, com- I knew were they them. commune people? Um, no, because my father had nothing to do with that. That's why it was so odd. It's like, had we all been on a commune, then we could all kind of relate to each other, even if we're outside of the box relative to the rest of the world. Yeah. The problem was, I was trying to explain, you know, the commune in India with the spiritual guru to these kids in Jersey who thought India was a place in Queens. <laughs> and my mother was spending most of her money on freeze-dried food, building it into a mountainside, awaiting the inevitable <laughs> nuclear apocalypse, for real. Seriously? Yeah, yeah. And that was part of the Indian guru's uh, uh Well, the Indian plan. guru was a, pl- was a guy called Sai Baba. I remember Sai Baba. He's still around. He makes Nag Champa, and I think that he's been uh, Sai Baba. They got a big cult. They're in Queens now. They're taking over all that. They got two health food stores in Queens. The cult Sai Baba. He's the one with the afro, and he wears the afro orange robe. Yeah, but he was the, in India when I was there. He's still in India, got but his followers. His are, so, so she was a Sai They're Baba. Then, so you had the. Oh well, yeah, it was also it was a place called the Land, and Hilda was the spiritual guru at the time. But she was connected Hilda, to Sai Baba. One people. name, Hilda. One name. Yeah. I once asked my mother if Hilda, um, how old she was. Right. Hilda's, my mother's response was. Hilda was never born, and Hilda will never die. Sure enough, Hilda's dead right now. But, you know, it was... <laughs> it didn't was, pan out, huh? Yeah, it didn't pan out the way everybody <laughs> thought it would. You know, they were building... <laughs> I love when that happens. Yeah, it was very strange. So, okay, so your mother's living on the up, upstairs floor, your father's living on the yeah. downstairs floor. This is that you lived at yeah. the junkyard? Yeah, yeah basically it was it was a dirt road that connected. It was across the street from the junkyard. So this yeah. a junkyard meaning you had the flat cars. Oh uh, yeah, we would crush stoves. cars. We would take strip aluminum from radiators with torches. Yeah, stacks of of uh, stacks of old metal. cars. Oh yeah, yeah, full on. How acres. many acres? Like acres. a lot? Yeah, like seven, eight. Yeah. Now your mother, they're separated. She's got the commune thing going. Yeah. And your dad is just this scrappy dude that owns a junkyard, and he's got other people living in the house. Borders. Yeah, yeah, well, somebody came around, there was a guy, um, he was on the run from the cops, but not for a violent crime, you know. Um, you for, know. for a nice crime. You know, yeah, for one yeah, of those for one of your pleasant crimes. Right, you yeah. forgive them for it. <laughs> yeah. He was not the bad guy. Yeah, he wasn't a bad guy. Victim of circumstance. No, he was, I remember being very sweet, soft, sort of just a, the kind of guy that you would not feel would be a threat at some point. Like, the kind of guy that you could actually see putting up. So you, you grew up with a lot of, like, probably cigarettes, trucks coming in, heavy dudes. Well, sure, sure. I mean, that's things. the junkyard, right? right? I mean, the kind of people who are willing to work 365 days outside, you know, uh, I mean, who, um, I always remember the guy's hands, you know? Yeah. But at the same time, it's, um, I, yeah, I mean, there's a provincial kind of part of, of, that life it's you're in a fucking and jersey right, and jersey yeah you combine so you, it with that oh the double whammy. so all right so this is you you're growing up and then your mother so you got your father who's teaching you you know the difference between cars and how to pull metal off things and your mother well, my father's a strange thing you know i mean he would teach me about business and the kid was a real paranoid Jew, jewish kind of but but streety jewish i mean i like, say my every, act everyone's like, trying to fuck not you? accountant jewish like steal your car jewish it's like right right um, those do, hustler guys i do a thing about that that the, there's a difference between the uh yes the uh what is it the what did i used to say the the composer Jew and the peasant Jew. Precisely. Right, right. Yeah, there's yeah, a big I, difference. I got a little of both. You know, yeah. I got peasant Jew thighs and I got the composer <laughs> Jew face. And brain. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, Almost. there is. 
There is almost. Yeah. The, um, <laughs> I wish there was a little more. <laughs> I don't know that you need anymore. No? Um, I'm no, done. No. I think you have plenty I'm to go. Good. I was just reading that Gladwell argue with talking about IQ correlates and success. It was I like, can't read there's almost none. The, there's almost none. After a certain point of a kind of substantial intelligence, after like, it's like up to 120. And this after is the that, Outliers? The Outliers? Uh, this book? is one of his books. So I this forget is the, which one. One that basically says it's got nothing to do with anything but connections. It's who you know, what school you go to, and which circles you run in, and how much you work at your thing. Uh, Yes and no. I mean, I think there's that's no an oversimplification. Luck. There's no luck. No, I think they're saying there's an enormous amount of luck. He goes about uh, talking, he breaks down Bill Gates, he breaks down a number of people, and the point was that had they not been born in that five-year window around that time in the advent okay, of the Okay, well, that's no luck. Right. It's huge right. luck. Huge sure. luck. Sure, I got born at the wrong time. Yeah. All right, so now we know. We got to the bottom of it. You know, it happens. I know. What are you going to do? You got to. It make doesn't this. lessen your genius. Yeah. Well, thank you. My my friend always says it's like we're fucked. We're we're in the middle of the shift of the paradigms. Yeah. We're we're at the we're in the middle of yeah. it. Yeah. We're not going to get the the benefits of the next paradigm. Well, you never know. Yeah, it could be a flaming mess. You never. Yeah. Well, I mean, you never know. Ba- banking on a paradigm is a little hopeful. You don't want to bank on a paradigm in general, <laughs> but certainly no banking on paradigms. Yeah. So now this is the interesting part about the story is that. Your father passes away, right? Father died of AIDS. Uh, year, um, yeah, I was like twenty-one, and my and and then, um, yeah, but I had been living alone from like the time I was fifteen. I didn't want to choose between my parents. They had moved out from one another. There Where'd you live alone in New Jersey? An old house across the street from the junkyard where I lived alone. I was so you're like, out fuck you! School. I'm going out. Of, I'm going across the street. No, 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 no. <laughs> it wasn't really away. It was when my mother moved to Highland Park. Um, in, Here by New Brunswick. No, oh, oh, by New Brunswick, Jersey, Jersey. Right. and and my mother lives on 10th Street in the village now in New York City. But um, she's a therapist, right? She's an analyst now. Yeah, like a, like a, a doctor. Or, or um, she got her master's and then went on into analytic uh, training for like seven years and became a full on analyst. It's, I like the idea. You got the cult analyst and the junkyard. You yeah, got but when it, I left as a both... kid, my best friend was this Puerto Rican kid, so I spent a lot of time in Harlem, and his family was the ones that I was really close to, and, and it that's was just what... a very strange. Right, and that's where you got the street thing. So you got a good, you got a good thing going. That's why I was very unhappy to see you go the retarded route. And I'm, I'm happy that you're <laughs> so back, you're back on the path. You, yeah, you literally are, yeah. and I think you know you are. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I again, it was never super conscious, but I feel like yeah, you were conscious when you would you know, pull out your jacket and it all yeah, some up of on that the floor, was yes, and when you I still pull yeah, 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 yeah. I still pull my jacket. There was too much clucking. Yeah, <laughs> what? There was uh, too much clucking. It's yeah. like in, well, you do like it's almost like a boxer. You just you, I yeah. I know what you're doing. See, that's the one thing that that always irritated me and why I'd get resentful yeah. is I saw you were killing with it, yeah. but there was part of me that's like yeah, I absolutely. know this kid's deep. I know yeah, he's yeah. smart, and I like one time I outroed you as the thinking man's retard yeah, that was a, that was uh one of the funnier things i've ever heard <laughs> <laughs> it was and the crowd agreed <laughs> and you know there was just part of me that says i knew you were you were getting it you knew all you knew all the tricks you know you'd stalk the stage until you calm them down yeah. or you'd sit down and draw them in the other way i mean you know i appreciate all the attempts you were making oh but see you just did that with your jacket naturally so maybe it is maybe you're right. i am maybe i i get the little i i get half on half off but i don't need to add the rest of the clocks you know like i think there's a place in the middle what is where... that thing that noise yeah where... <laughs> I don't know what I'm again. <laughs> I'm not sure the way it goes. I'm, I'm really not sure. Well, tell it's me. It's not like a Fidel thing where, where it's a full on character. It's like something, it's like, um, yeah, I don't know. No, no, I know. Look, you know, and I, I know it's all part of the evolution. Who the fuck am I to judge anybody else? Uh, no, but, I agree. There are plenty of people you look at and you're like, come on. That's what you're doing? 
Yeah. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. Yeah, but see now I think what happened was if I'm if let me see if I can read it properly. Yeah. You know, you come out here, you had a deal, you had a thing, you were in a big yeah. movie with Mark Wahlberg that you know you had a, you did a, a few episodes or something, yeah. and all of a sudden after that wave kind of started to, to head towards shore, you're like, yeah. Fuck, I all I got stand up. <laughs> <laughs> I well, you know, again, I never really it, it come was on, never I, that conscious. You've you've re and you like have refocused on stand-up. I have refocused. I've definitely refocused, and I think yeah, maybe it, maybe the, I guess if you go and become a, if you had you'd been offered leading roles in a movie, maybe you'd never go back and deal with what you would otherwise deal with on stage. It's like you see those guys early on that were good stand. I mean, you see guys like a, whoever Jamie Fox, whoever, and it's sort of there was no evolution. Don't start it's like singing. They stopped there. Don't start singing. I ain't got no voice. No, Nobody's I mean, in danger of that. You, know, you can only. Those, I'll never sing. They can only sing when they make so much money that they're like, yeah, I can do whatever I want to. Yeah, now I can do whatever I want. I don't want. know if I did this. Let me do it now. Uh, give me a second for my producer. Uh, my guest in the garage is uh, Dove Davidoff. Uh, very. Yeah, I, I don't. I, I would classify him as a comic on the rise, as I used to say in the game. He's a he's he's a he's a up and comer. Can yeah, I call you that? Yeah, I guess. You know, I don't know how we define these things, but sure, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't it matter more. anymore. It doesn't matter. It doesn't. It's right. like doing the Tonight Show. It just doesn't matter. Well, it doesn't even exist right now. Right, so right. Yeah. And, no and it doesn't it. exist. That's a good. I point. was a little disappointed. I, I mean, I, I wanted to do it when Conan was there because I'd never done it before. I'm yeah, a Letterman fun. guy. I do, yeah. no, the, well, the way I see those things, it's just part of our job. It's yeah. not, it shouldn't matter. Like, there, all these people, like, back in the day, you could fill a room or whatever. But right now, it's like, that's one of the things we do. It's one of the things you do. It's one of the payoffs, one yeah, of the grails. Yeah, things you do. Yeah. It's like, that's yeah. like, you know, you hit your mark. Yeah. You've done a Comedy Central half hour, right? Yeah, we just, we just, we have an hour coming out. We, like, I'm working with a You produced an hour? Fighter. Yeah, I got an hour coming out in uh, a couple of months. Did you self-produce it? Uh, yes. With Dave? Um, or just, you just pulled well, the I left for yards, but. Um, you did? Yeah. But, How long uh, ago? Uh, eh, uh, four months. Oh, like. okay. Yeah, me too. I, uh, uh but uh, okay. But you, you put you put the money in yourself because no, of- I didn't put the money on myself. I just did it with a company that's willing to finance it and then you oh, share so in it. Oh, well, that was you know, good. That's they, a good they way to risk do it. the money. I don't think a lot of people realize this. You know, some of the people that may be listening to this that a lot of those hours that TV has gotten to this point now, where if you go to Comedy Central, look, I got the yeah. bread, yeah, and yeah. I got a guy with three cameras. <laughs> yeah, <that's right. laughs> Will you guys that's sign right. off that's on right. this? You, you can go that's do right. it. Yeah, because I've seen yeah. some on there. You're like, where the fuck did they shoot this? It's unbelievable. Did you see John Panettes? I, I was no, like, I didn't where, see it. I was like, I where, don't see where, any of Where was this done? I know. Was that done on a can, like on a most phone cam? Yeah, like a flip cam. You see him? Are you fucking kidding me? We got three guys in the audience with a flip cam. We'll yeah. just we'll slam it together at the end. I guess I you know I I I guess it's safer for them, and then they get to see a finished product without putting up any money. And then for me, it's better because if I am confident enough to do it myself, it's a better split. So let's go back to the junkyard. Yeah, uh, these Russians bought it. You Russian know. Jews? Uh, I don't know. It was a consortium of Russian businessmen. <laughs> Did you have a choice in selling it? <laughs> no, no, no. I was a kid. I was I was not a kid when they sold it, but right. I was older. I was already. I was on, living you on the Lower out? East Side since the time I was sixteen. So I was. I was you were on the Lower East Side from the time you were sixteen because your yeah. brother and you, like there, there's you have an interesting story. My brother's a really interesting dude who was a psychologist who had he'd gone to Nepal, learned to speak Nepalese, walked around, spent time with monks. So he was your mama's boy, in a <laughs> sense. But at the same time, he used to compete in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu submission tournaments, and he was a swinger, like a real you know full-on swinger for a while. Swinger like you know with the p- women. Yeah. So he was a yeah. a psychologist who spoke Nepalese and also did jujitsu and and fucked other people's wives and oh yeah him. a lot of people's wives and weren't um, you into that he for was a while? real good at it I was never I never had what it takes to really get into the swing game heavy um, he sort of dabbled in it though am I wrong oh yeah yeah you know like anybody else I want to find out what I got yeah, but, but the um I, it works that? you got to have something to trade you go in there with somebody to you go in there with, with a, a girl. With, 
What do you, you got to bring a girl? People are always like, can I go alone? I'm like, no, you can't go. He's like, just you, the guy going. You got something to trade. Where do I stick this? Right. Otherwise, it's like a guy showing up at a card game with no money. Like, deal me in, man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to lose nothing. Just deal me in, you know. And you go in, and it was a really interesting environment. Was it's it? much more peaceful as well. It was. Well, I think the, 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 I, the, the common maybe misconception is that swingers are all these fat, kind of Midwestern. And there are places like that, but there are others where they, it's a, it's a much more attractive crew. So you had a chick that I remember her that was into it. No, that was my threesome. That was my girlfriend, my real girlfriend. We had threesomes and, and, and the many current girlfriend? Them, but we did not swing. No, no. No, the no, last no, one, the right. Last one. You didn't swing, but we you did not swing. But she swinging, was swinging means that you, you know, the other guy gets to bang your girl. Right, you know that's Whereas not that your never bag. Took place. That's not my bag, man. <laughs> uh, that's not my bag. But uh, it's like that wood, that Lenny Bruce bit. It's like you know. I thought you said you want when when he talks his uh, his wife into into sweeping with the woman, yeah. right? And he's there, and they're all sweeping together. Yeah. And she goes, "I thought you wanted to." And he's like, "You didn't have to fucking like it so much." <laughs> <laughs> all right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's problematic. It's a Pandora's box. Is you it? Know. Uh, it can be. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Did that happen to you? Um, no. That was never the problem with me. Monogamy so the swinging thing, you go and it wasn't your bag. Uh, it wasn't my thing to trade off with somebody that I care about. Yeah. I don't like. To, I'm not into that kind of thing. I'm not that adventurous. But, um, but so okay. So you, you're saying that? But the it's best, just fun the best to way be to, outside. The best way to do it is have somebody that you're just fucking. You don't really exactly. Care. Okay. And they have a decent buffet. This one place made a good ziti. Really? Absolutely. So you, you, what, you take out. breaks. You just stand in there with the buffet. Yeah. With, with your dick hanging out. You're like, hey, well, I would do that. I, I, I pass the cheese. I wear a towel. I'm a gentleman. I don't walk around naked like a buffoon. I had a ziti and these other bras. You make an eye contact with somebody and you could really shake it up but good yeah yeah no games you know it's not yeah. that you know i'm not we're not going for uh tapas and a trip to six flags we're gonna do this and we're gonna do it now <laughs> and i'm trading you for it and you don't you know? have to explain yourself or no anything. no there's no See bullshit it no yeah. no it's it's a utopia of, yeah. of truth for a couple hours for a couple hours when you leave the utopia you still gotta get in your car it's awful <laughs> <laughs> you just can't really ever leave so, so uh, utopia. oh yeah you can't live there then he can't live there, man. But I imagine that's got to bring baggage to it because I imagine people Soft. go and you, you know you you ride it out, you feel a little dirty, but you, yeah, then maybe they'll call you and you're like, no, 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 yeah, no. Does that happen? I don't know. I mean, the the one time they, it's just a different cult. It's funny when you get involved. I don't know if it you went out and lived with a tribe or something. It exists, it exists everywhere, and it's bigger than you'd think it ever would be. Really, <laughs> it exists everywhere. Do you need a password or something? You yeah, yeah to... in some of these places you do. Absolutely. But you just got to know somebody. Society of, of sorts. And what about? Uh, do you go to? You a porn guy? Uh, no bigger than average. Oh, you don't know any of those people? You know, um, sure, I've been on a set, and then I've banged, how do you, a, I've how banged that... a couple of bras. Yeah. But, yeah, but not, um, you know, not, I mean, it's not interesting. It's always yeah. the same sort of, I can't differentiate between positive and negative attention, and beyond that, I'm stupid, and, you know, there are lights. I and call them, uh, fuck. I call them sex clowns. They're sex clowns. <laughs> They're sex clowns. That's exactly yeah. what they are. They're just hopping around. It's yeah, just, yeah. It's, a it's an exaggerated, ridiculous thing. Yeah, well, and the systemic effects are awful on your life, I'm sure. But in in what sense? Uh, in every sense. Oh, you mean? Yeah. Oh, and people involved in people it. involved in that. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I I don't like you know I I interviewed Dana Diarmond in here. Yeah, and I've had a a, a woman that does uh, dominatrixing, which is a little better. Yeah. But, uh, but the, the point thing is like, no matter how they say, how much they say they're not crazy or they're not damaged or whatever. Always. Yeah. But I, I mean, okay, you, that just means you accept it. I, I mean, you know, it, it, I mean, damage is only pathological if you let right. it destroy your life. But if they've accepted the fact that they're doing this, they're fucking for money and they're making some bread and they're okay with it, right. then the damage is not indicative of anything other than like, you know, I can live with that. You know, there's, what difference right. does it make? Everybody's fucked up. 
Yeah, if you accept it in that way, it just seems a little bit defeatist. It's like, okay, it's fucked up. I'm not going to repair it. I'm just going to go full head on into whatever dysfunction I had in the beginning. Right, the first right. Place. And then you get into that weird moral, that moral like gray area. Where like, what is right and wrong? I well, mean, yeah. Don't, don't but, I decide that? Exactly. And it's like, yeah, if you're Nietzsche or if you're, if you're somebody who's really thinking about like, if you're, I mean, mm -hmm. comedians, that's what a good comedian would do. He would question what is right and wrong and where's the gray. But if like you're just fucking for money on camera, it's like, is there really a phil philosophical argument for that being of value? You <laughs> well, know? Her, her point was, and this is a point of a lot of them because the business is broken so wide open yeah. that it seems like, you know, you go online, you know, I think my neighbor's on, on, uh, is important. I don't know. It seems like yeah, you know, everyone's there. I mean, he isn't. You know, I mean, I don't. Maybe uh, he is, we don't know that. We, we don't. <laughs> but like, so everybody is finding some sort of uh, access to this stuff. That her point was like, look, it's a job. A lot of people hate their jobs. I'm okay with my job. I'm making good bread. Again, you know, the whole thing about it. Look, it's a job. I don't buy. It's like it's like when you're living your life like that, and you know that the consequences are. I mean. I, I feel the same way you do. I don't but I buy can't, it. Like I've said before on the show, like I don't deny that I use porn occasionally, but I don't celebrate it, and I refuse to accept that it's like it's okay. Oh no, and it's certainly not okay because I use it. I just because I jerk off to it, I don't think that yeah. validates. It, it does represent some sort of cultural decay and some sort of uh, you know. Yeah. Uh, 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 yeah. like a de, uh, what am I, a, a it's a destruction of intimacy. And it, it but yeah, look, sure it is. Yeah. yeah. It fucks with your head. I mean, I'm not saying Absolutely. in a broad sense. And I've gotten emails from guys in Sweden. They're like, it's just because Americans are repressed. Okay. You know, I'll buy that for a little yeah. bit, but you don't seem to realize that, you know, it's coming in cereal boxes here. Absolutely. I mean, it's man. fucking everywhere. And if you start thinking about women like that or sex like that, when you finally get with a real woman, you're not going to be able to do anything. Absolutely. Well, I'm not to mention, I mean, if you look at the, the, I guess the arc and the sort of history of, you know, civilizations and, and cultures and whether it's Rome it's like there's that thing where it just gets more and more hedonistic as life gets easier until you guys you eat yourself from the inside out you know well that's true like I was thinking about that on the treadmill today where like I went and I ran yeah, I run four miles. I keep in pretty clip, good man. shit. Yeah, I'm in pretty good shape. Yeah. For a guy my age, I can start adding that now. For no, a guy my age, you're good good. I'm in good shape for a 20 year old. But then I see this yeah. fat pig walk by me. Yeah. You know, as I'm coming out the gym, and I, you know, yeah. I don't know if she's a pig or what doesn't matter. I bang her. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, you're on the road. What do you get? It's fun. But it, <laughs> It is fun. Of course it's fun. Right. It's like Gene Simmons said, because they, cause they, they'll they try harder and they want it more. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, there's, there's <laughs> that part of it, but also it's just, it's, it's just fun. No, I agree with you. But here's my point being is, is that I know that that person, no matter what kind of comfort they assume to be in, you're waking up with that much weight. You, you want to crawl out of your fucking skin. Oh, you're talking real big. Yeah, no, but I don't so, want to. But, but well, we're not talking about fucking. We're on another thing. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, I didn't right. mean no, to. Sorry, I got all sidetracked. Yeah, I, I was just thinking about a thickness. I enjoy yeah. a thickness. Yeah, no, I, there's nothing wrong with that. And yeah. I and I, I enjoy it, too. Yeah. But what I'm saying is that in terms of cultural decay and the eating of yourself from the inside out and, sure. and hedonism is that when people surrender to this thing where they constantly saying in their head, it's like, fuck it. When everything is a fuck it in yeah. order to make that fuck it feel better it's going to have cultural repercussions Absolutely, like, in, like between food and sex and and just you know the accessibility of everything it's like, awful before I, you know it christians are being thrown in i mean in front of line like whatever that's, that's representative of now they're yeah, not, exactly they're not christians or people who, who are actually <laughs> want to be thrown in front of lions yeah. in the form of reality shows they're like fine fuck it throw me in front of the lions yeah, we'll right, see what sure, happens sure sure and, rehab, yeah. yeah and then i started thinking like you know the, the amount like what in this culture? How the hell do you tell the difference between uh, relaxation and just fucking exhaustion? I mean, every fucking yeah, day you're yeah. overwhelmed. Yeah. Overwhelmed. How it's many times do I got to yeah. see Tracy Morgan and Bruce Willis in my face in this? Time? I know. I know. And it's just awful. between the computer, the car, the everything else, like it's, it's overwhelming. 
Always. It's just overwhelming. Always yeah. overwhelming. Yeah. So if you can find any peace of mind, which requires that you focus on something else, usually that's going to be draining you of your life force or your money. So mm-hmm. the whole thing is jiggered to re-fucking align our desires into fucking buying shit and relieving ourselves. It's very hard to find out where you are and all that. Absolutely. I was just talking to Neil today, but there's a book about uh, something about propaganda and the people um, that when the, the culture of consumerism really began, it was like Freud's nephew that had a big Yeah, I have that book. It. Oh, it's, do you? Yeah, it's his, uh, his nephew wrote the book exactly on propaganda and they talk about sort of creating you know materialism it doesn't happen unless people think they need shit they don't need yeah, you know? it's, all, it's all about re, re um, aligning people's desires towards product uh, and towards uh, desiring something yeah I mean the, oh, even the idea it's a of, mind fuck even, it's a mind fuck the idea of a desirable demographic like advertising wise 18 to 34 it means you're old enough to make money and dumb enough to buy shit you don't but, need but no one ever talks about that everyone's always talking about the billions of dollars that goes into the military industrial complex. Nobody talks about the billions of dollars that goes into fucking it our goes heads. Into thin air, yeah. No, it or, just or that, fucking that goes into heads. actual, yeah. Yeah, like there's people. All this culture does is, you know, ninety percent of the time is they've got professional people saying, "How do we get these people to buy this?" Right. And how do we fuck their heads? In, the, in, in yes, even just on yes. a very basic level, you know, the the volume of TV commercials is, is daunting. It's atrocious. I heard this one scumbag, some executive advertising guy say. I want to create a more meaningful relationship with the consumer. And he was talking about selling like electronics or something. Of course. What are you talking about? Do you hear the language you're using? They know the language and they're proud of it. That's a whole business. It's like I was talking to somebody about a publicist the other day. And you know how much they charge? Because they are all of it. It's all about access and connections and and moving people's brands around. And no one ever really talks about that in in the same way that they talk about how destructive... uh, Pollution is in the environment, or global right. warming, right. or war. Yeah. I mean, it, it, you know, propaganda and 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 the advertising business should go right up there. Absolutely, it, it, it's, it's just it's right up there with the ozone. It's like, I, what is going on? I think it's killing more people spiritually than anything else. Uh, I, Mother I Teresa said the worst poverty she'd ever seen is not in the third world. It's right here in the United States. It's, there's a poverty of the spirit that's connected to that I, shit. I know. When it. that becomes your God, it's just all right. You're just it's a it's an atrophy that right. will we're, not we're, end. We're all begging. It's awful. We're all desperate. <laughs> That's a good point. We're all it, desperate. It's true because, and then I started to think it's like they've well, it's actually. Well, right? You well, can never well, fill it. It's never enough. Well, there's that, but there's also the fact that what they've done is they seem to have infantilized the entire culture. Everybody has the desire sure. and emotional system of 10-year-olds, if you yeah, really think about it. And yeah. we're bad children because yeah. they're like, I want it now. Yeah. And we've been taught that we can get it now if we pay for it. Or Absolutely. I want it now. Don't say no to me. Uh, That's such a good analogy. Everybody has this sort of emotional maturity of 10-year-olds with regard to purchases and they, they, they made us like that. They They're like, I, so yeah. why can't I have it right now? You internalize that culture on the way up. But but they, they've colonized our fucking mind. I mean, there's a yeah. part of your brain. Like you talk to some people, anyone who says like, I, I only yeah. drink Coke, man. I, fuck right. Pepsi. Like yeah, exactly. there you go. Coke has colonized yeah. that part of your mind. There's a little yeah, Coke. no, no. You're a team. You're on it. You're 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 one of those. I've people been part. I've of, been part of that. I mean, I've been I've been one of those guys. I think some yeah. of us are. I get very loyal to shit. Don't you? Um, yeah, depending on what it is and, and wh- why I like it, but I'm not going to be loyal to a team because I'm supposed to be. No, I don't you know? like sports in general, but I mean, like, like with but cars. Even if you do the whole like, idea of being loyal to somebody who doesn't right, care about like, you. But I have this American state of mind where I, I like things that last. 
Yeah, yeah and nobody a, makes that shit anymore. Uh, for me, the the association is is value. I, I just like I, I need. Uh, so value. you, you got that from, from growing up dad. in the junkyard. Oh, yeah. <laughs> in a big way, man. I gotta have. It's gotta be. It, there's gotta be value there. Yeah, like what? Well, for instance, if a hotel room is a thousand dollars a night and I can get it for three hundred, I yeah. would pay the three hundred. But if it's a three hundred dollar hotel room for three hundred, there's no fucking way I'm paying three hundred. <laughs> I would pay one hundred. I'll pay one third of whatever the price usually is, and that is usually a value correlate in there. Somewhere. And do you find that everything is negotiable? Oh yeah, really? Because uh, you seem like one of those guys, right? You know, I, I come from yeah, a, sure, it's negotiable. Like I, I come from a family of marks, yeah. you know, and you come from a family of hustlers. So how you know, like <clears throat> I mean, on the one side, yeah, but it's like um, the um, yeah. I mean, I, I feel like most things are you can find Especially a way now. in. Yeah, you can find a way in. Do you have an example of that? Um, I mean, example of, uh, of, of, of yeah, I mean, of, even Priceline or, or, or oh, with yeah, real estate right, or right. with if you just with anything, depending. But, give me something you want to buy. I mean, there's a way to find it. Right. There's now, a way in. You've done some real estate. You had yeah. a building. You and your brother bought, bought the building for the price of a one bedroom apartment on the in the Lower East Side. Yeah. And now, didn't David Lee Roth live there for a while? Yeah, I met him at uh, at the cellar, and we became friendly. You How's know? he doing? Um, uh, he, he, last I spoke, spoke to him, he was he was doing well. The thing about uh, Lee Roth that's really interesting is it's never looking back. If you just met the dude and you didn't know who he was, you'd never know he was involved in what he was involved in. It's like when I was there, he was the he lead was taking, of Van Halen. Right when I was when I was there, he was did not have a bunch of people coming around. We used to hang out on the deck. We shared the deck. Yeah, outside, and he was taking EMT lessons, becoming a certified EMT, taking rides in ambulances in the Bronx. Oh, really? Yeah, and isn't he like sixty? Uh, yeah, no, but he's in, he's, he's, he's in good shape. His mind is, is agile for somebody that likes a, a light weed. But the, um, and he was, uh, he was getting his helicopter license. That's amazing. You know, and he still got some time. bread, right? He gotta have sure. some bread still. Yeah. I mean, he made like life. Yeah, but bread. he doesn't get off on, it's not his thing, man. He's not, it's just, no, he's just not saying, a materialistic dude. No, but, but what yes. I'm saying, he's got enough bread to do whatever to he take wants. Take helicopter lessons? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> See, he wasn't. I, I never understood that plan. That the plan was like, here's what you do: you try to do something, I'll make you enough bread, so you don't have to right. do what you don't want to do. Yeah, you become and a rock star too. Um, music to that is a racket. More than anything else. No, but I mean, like, there's more money to make. There's more ways to make money. You get a hit song, you own a hit song, you write right. a hit song. The money never stops coming. Yeah, I look. I don't know the way the business works, but I, I mean, I can only imagine all all of the different ways to monetize. Yeah. Shit. So, what do you know. see for the future? I mean, are you, you? I know you're 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 a thoughtful guy. I mean, I try. I are know you, Mark. Do you have hope? Do I have hope? Well, you know, you got to hold out hope, right? Otherwise, right. what do you got? I mean, I'm not going to be the fee a nihilist, but at the same time, it's like. Uh, no, I don't have any hope. <laughs> no, you're gonna be dealing with a bunch of fucking animals. This is Sodom and Gomorrah, man. We're going downhill. Decline of Western civilization. We're out of the game. Right, but yeah, but we are, uh, occasionally. I'm just gonna try and have some fun on the sleigh okay, so ride down. Right, you're, so we're all, you know, occasionally an active participant in the Sodom and Gomorrah because it is fun. It is yeah. ours. It's uniquely American. Yeah. But occasionally you're we in gotta, Vegas. Yeah. Right, you gotta sit on the sidelines and go, wow, this can't be good. Awful. <laughs> awful. <laughs> just awful. I gotta take a rest awful. and think about what's yeah. happening. Yeah, I gotta think I don't think there's any stopping this, no, but I really just want to reflect. It's a bad scene out there. Yeah, man. what do you get? What do you got going on now? Uh, you got movies. What was it oh, like? You oh, worked oh, with oh. Jeff Goldblum briefly, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, I was on a series with, with Jeff. Uh, What's he yeah, like? Interesting dude, man. Just uh, eccentric. I'm not eccentric. Like he's like he you think he would be. You know what I mean? Like there right, are people who are very different than you think they'd be. He's a dude that's I, like feels your shirt and is like it's an interesting fabric. It's like he's like that. He's always he's been like that. Like even in like he was in Annie Hall for two seconds. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was his first uh, right, yeah, idea, right? I forgot my mantra. That's right. That's right. What's my mantra yeah, again? What's my mantra yeah. again? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. I've always liked him. He's kind of an oddball. Yeah, he's one of the, yeah, I mean, he's, you're doing uh, any of the movies? actors that I've worked with, he, he was one of the guys that you're like, oh, he's really good. But you like, play, he's a talented dude. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's, you know, he's just yeah, a he, gifted guy, and he's all come from that school of acting where it's like, I'm going to be me to some degree in every role. Yeah. I like that kind of acting. Yeah, no, he's just, and, and, and he's real good at it. Like, he's an interesting dude to be in, to be him. Plays piano, too. Yeah, really very well. Good jazz piano, something like that, yeah. What uh? So the, the, other the big stuff. movie though, that was the Mark Wahlberg movie. That was it was supposed to be a big movie, right? Yeah, I mean, did it you all right? Number one for a while. For what was it called? Uh, Invincible. And you had a big, not a big part. Yeah, pretty big part. Um, but uh, you know, like, like you know, this business is like you have a part. And some, I, you know, I, I, you I, yeah, for one reason or another, I've, so I've watched the business from afar, and I've, I've been marginally like, involved occasionally. But it never, it ne- like yeah. that shit never ends. You know, it's just you know. It's yeah, like, I see um, a lot of people go up the. They go up and they come down. They go up and they come down. And then, and, and what? As you get older and you and you start to get to know people more and you start to be, realize you're all in the same game, yeah. you, you get more impressed with the guys that you know come out of the fucking smoking. Heat. Absolutely. Yeah. So you got a real girlfriend now. I got a real girlfriend, man. I got a real girlfriend. And you're living with her now. Fucking yeah, yeah. That's that sounds great. <laughs> Are you feeling excited? <laughs> um, you know, look. It is what's, what it is. Well, what's I don't, your I don't understand this whole cycle. I, I just don't. I don't know. Well, let's talk about it because I mean, I don't understand it either, and I've been through some pretty heavy cycles. But nobody understands it. There nobody is there understands. A, I was just reading Mating in Captivity, you know, and you're like, Mating in Captivity is that a marriage yeah. manual? <laughs> it is. <laughs> it really is, man. It was written by like this analyst, and they're talking about how how um we give up. A lot of the, the passion and eroticism up front, you know, is, is, um, is based on the insecurity it's and sort sales of not pitch. fully knowing each other. It's a sales pitch. I guess so, it's but it's how like, you get them. <laughs> yeah. And then there's a passion and that shit up front. And then the cost of, of, of security is losing that. And this woman basically was advocating people taking some time apart, you know, just, just creating more insecurity in a relationship. Just being less sort of, we're not going to see each other every day. We're not going to spend as much time. So you take gonna, what most people believe is the objective healthy, yeah. of a relationship, which is trust and intimacy. And you turn it and in you, on you itself. Fuck it up a little Absolutely. bit. Absolutely. You cheat day in, day out. <laughs> oh, yeah, that'll work. I'm trying to rationalize. Sure, no, sure, no, sure. No, yeah. you don't fuck you know, no, no, I don't fuck around. No, 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 I know you don't. But uh, but I've been recently thinking about you it. You don't know I, mean, I don't, but, but I know. Well, I, well, I knew who you were before, yeah. and I know you know from talking to you briefly, because you're a pretty straightforward guy, that you know you were trying to do the right thing by this one. Yeah, I've been straight and narrow. Yeah. Right. I could sense that. But uh, but I'm talking about it on stage. I, I, I started to realize it, and it's not unlike what you're saying, that, that really trust and intimacy, what you're really doing is that you're agreeing yeah. to buffer the other person's disappointment for as long as possible yes. and, and protect their secrets. That, and, that's, and, that's a brilliant way to say it. Yeah. And, and, and also, like, you Buffer know, the disappointment, protect their secrets. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's sort of it. I mean, whatever those secrets might be, like the, the bit I'm trying to work out is that, you know, there are moments. Mm-hmm. Where intimacy is defined, and yeah. they're not sex. You know, sex is fucking sex. Yeah. You know, either you're going to hit it or you're not. Right. You know, and then you keep trying, and, and if it goes right. bad, then you got a whole other bag of fucking problems. Yeah. But the two things that I know about relationships is that 99% of the time, whatever you think you have together yeah. is, is, is a myth because they've got their own fucking brain and they've got their own fucking thoughts about things. Yeah. And it's never going to be fully communicated. And yeah. even when it is, it's usually a defensive reaction. So you don't know what the yeah. fuck world they're it's living in. It's almost solipsistic in nature, you know? It's like, it's like, 
like it is whatever our idea and our own consciousness is isn't necessarily theirs. That's right. We're, we're all living our own separate little universe. That's we're right. trying to come together in a way that's livable, but that's right. It's but he, no matter how honest you are with each other, no matter yeah. how much you communicate, there's still a fucking wiring up there. It, yeah. it doesn't matter if it's a man or a woman or what kind of relationship it is. It's just I found that like no matter what, you're going to try to hold on to what you think you have, yeah. and the only thing that's going to be an obstacle to that right. is whatever the fuck they're thinking. And that's, that's boy, it's yes. a whole yes, other world over there. Is whatever they're thinking. You're sleeping next to another <laughs> planet. And you occasionally you kind of orbit yes. and you roll around each other and then it's fucking... Uh, yeah, it's... I mean, it's maddening and I feel like on some DNA genetic level, it's like we're set up... Like, parts of us haven't evolved to the point where that is a livable scenario. And it's all a construct, right? It's all kind of fault in that that's not what we genuinely... Our inclination genetically is to spread the seed, so that's at odds with what civilization and society and culture well, that, well, has told what, us. Well, that's what civilization is trying to remedy in, in order that we don't just run down the street fucking everything and cutting people's throats. Right. Okay. And, and in that remedy is inherent conflict, and that's what of, a relationship of course, is. But, and that's why you know you have the idea of, of sin, and, and that's why you know religions have these certain ideas to, yeah. to, to basically hammer the point home that we are flawed beings yes. that are struggling with exactly yes. what you're talking about and that there has to be a level of forgiveness and contrition and right. empathy in order to continue right. to progress as a civilization. And yeah. that's the big compromise. But I mean it's not it's not, it's it's second nature to us because I mean there's I don't that's really want, I don't want to run down the street, you know, you know fucking things and and maybe risking my throat being cut, you know, <laughs> just because or taking things that I can't have. Well, there weren't a risk. Well, I mean, that's but why yeah. people go to swinger clubs, is you can have ZD and yeah, fuck Yeah, that's right, that's right. <laughs> that's, what, that's what the swing game's about. People yeah. who see things clearly oh, yeah. and want to move forward. <laughs> For a not couple these, hours. Absolutely, not these animals that have, that, that have internalized some false construct known as religion to prevent us from fearing our own death. These people, they bang. Yeah, that's right. But you know, the religion you know, also, you know, outside of God, I think was put in place to uh, to make people act relatively properly. I mean, you know, if you look at the Ten Commandments, despite what Carlin says, right. is that you know, there's a list of things in the Seven Sins too. The Ten Commandments, Seven Deadly Sins, are they were someone sat down, fairly bright people, and said, "All right, these ten things are what fucks everything up." Right. And these yeah, seven things, right. if they get out of hand, fuck everything up. Right. So between the two books, right. we got to include these got things something. in there, <laughs> just so people don't make a big fucking mess of things. And if we throw the fear of God in, then we yeah. really got him. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah. If, you, if yeah. you negate the God element and just right. look at the basic premise. Yeah, no, it all makes sense. You know, it's but just getting, like, it could be a lot simpler. But getting back to the intimacy and the idea of of you know protecting people's secrets and buffering their disappointment is that intimacy is not built on on sex that's a fallacy that like okay if you fuck somebody then all the you know the, all the doors are open and now we owe each other something is bullshit right what it really comes down to is that it's those moments of fear those moments of vulnerability trusting people with that Great vulnerability premise. you know that's really what it comes down to Yes, and my problem is, and I was talking, I was trying to write a bit about love and vulnerability on stage. It's like when I feel vulnerable, I mean, my 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 preferred course of action is to be able to threaten somebody. You know, it's like almost like it's like if you live in a bad neighborhood, you can buy a gun and be like, "Yo, if you're gonna rob me, I, you're gonna you, you." There's a good chance. I'm so that's shoot intimacy. You in the face. That's intimacy. No, or that sounds like an. But the problem with love in a relationship yeah. is that that kind of vulnerability, I'm so uncomfortable with, and. How do I compensate? Like, how do I threaten how do, how do, I, how do I get a gun? It's like, what do I say? Like, if listen, woman, you know, if you hurt me, you know, it's really going to hurt. It's like, what, what do you... So that's preemptive. That's what I did. And that, that, could very, somebody. that could very easily become abusive because you're, you're manufacturing a fear of, of, of a, of a pain, of a type of pain. Yeah. And like someone made a point to me that was very interesting is that yeah. whatever fear you have along those lines yeah. is probably very young. 
Right, sure. And that, you know, somehow or another, it's in the wiring, and you still feel the threat of a 10-year-old kid who was abandoned or or hurt or whatever. So so you're sort of protecting this thing that it really isn't a threat anymore. I mean... That's the problem with dysfunction. That's the problem with internalizing this shit. It's like, that's what therapy... I always thought of therapy as sort of, you have all this armor on, and it's all the stuff based on, you know, your defenses when you're young and vulnerable, and then you never you never take the armor off as you get older, even though you don't need it anymore, and so it's no longer productive, it's counterproductive, it prevents you from experiencing relationships fully, it prevents a richness of existence but then that you otherwise... Get, right, that's true, but then you get to a point where you're like, am I too old to change, or, you know, wh- yeah. how much of this do I want to trim away, you know, like, do I want to keep going to therapy, and, you know... The, and, the, bigger, I, the bigger question I have is, is it even possible, regardless of how much therapy, regardless of whatever, it's like, monotonous the idea of domesticity is it like is that a place where I can exist regardless of how well, well I've ironed right, out well, my that, issues well that's very specific I do think that people can change by making different choices for themselves yes. despite the fact that instinctually they want to make yes. choices that hurt them I think you can change like absolutely that. I think it's a fallacy that people never change you, you, people you change they do you know whether or not like right now I can't even fucking imagine yeah. Uh, being in a, in a, in a, in a monogamous relationship in the sense of like having to be responsible for another person. I mean, that's, that's right. really what it comes because I don't know how not to make them at least 70% of my fucking brain. Right. So all of yeah, a sudden it's yeah. like, it's not just a relationship. It's like, oh, yeah. you know, she's, you know, becomes part of my brain, becomes part of my life, and I'm worried yeah. about it, and you're constantly thinking about this or that. And it becomes and, like an occupant. I was talking about this with, with Neil. He see, he it's part of the colonialism about, thing, and you're just right, but he sees, he sees a relationship as an occupying force. It's like us in Iraq. It's like, oh, we're here to help, but we don't, you know, but it's, it's like you're no longer a sovereign nation. You've got an, a, a military occupation taking place of I, sorts. I, you know, I wouldn't call that a, a romantic uh, a metaphor. <laughs> I mean, Not I, a romantic I think, metaphor. I think that Neil and, and if, if that is a functioning yeah. net metaphor for yeah. for a, that, that's not a good relationship. No, no, no. Of course it's not. Yeah. Of course it's not. But I think the whole idea, but you're talking about it, it, it occupying 70% of your mental space. Well, I just space. think that, like, I, because it, whether you want to call it codependency or you, whether you want to call it the lack of boundaries or whatever, that I, you tend to see, you sit there, not only you're worried about how you think about you, but now you, you're Absolutely, sitting there manufacturing yeah. what you think they think. Yes. And then it becomes this game of, like, you know, I wonder if it, she's thinking that. It can be a neurotic spiral. Of course, yeah. Of course, because then you accuse them of thinking something because you read something the yeah. wrong way, and then you then that's that thing where there's yeah. You're I do this whole bit. Worlds. I do this whole bit about having an argument uh, over over something that you couldn't possibly argue about under any other circumstance circumstance at, at any point. You know, like we were in the car, and she was like, she goes to each his own, and I was like, yeah, uh, I don't understand what you mean. And she goes, I mean to each his own. And I was like, I heard what you said, but I don't really know what you mean. And then she's like, I mean to each his own. And I was like, what the fuck are you talking about, man? Yeah, I mean, on stage, I say, took the turn signal off and stuck it in my leg to prevent me from choking her to death. But really, yeah. and, it, and it led to sort of, and I was trying to think about, like, a crime of passion really is a defense strategy in a court of law. It's a legal defense strategy because, you know, it's it happened. Like, you're not the kind of criminal that society needs to worry about unless they're in a relationship with you. It's right. like... It's a crime of passion. It means we recognize that relationships are so fucking difficult that you wouldn't have killed somebody for their wallet. Yeah. You did it because you were in a relationship with them, and you're not going to get murder one. You're yeah. going to get a reduced charge because right. everybody recognizes. Right. What's it to, it's that a- whole Van Gogh thing? And I was like, Van Gogh cut off his ear, sent it to his girlfriend. I was like, the first time I heard that, I was like, that's crazy. And then after I'd been in a relationship, I'm like, I can't believe that doesn't happen every fucking day. Yeah, and the sad you know? thing is, it wasn't enough. And it wasn't enough. <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't enough. You could have that. Dude. <laughs> 
Wait a second, that's good. Yeah, you do, do <laughs> that. <laughs> and it wasn't enough. <laughs> yeah, I don't quite understand. What I found after two marriages is that, you know, I'm very selfish and, and I lived a lot in my head and I, and I was abusive and I don't, I don't really know. I don't understand. I think it has to do with what you want and what compromises you're willing to make. That's it. That's it. And, and, and the thing about whether, whatever the biological argument is and the, 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 on the, on the fence of civilized and uncivilized yeah. and you know, biological urges is that the one thing that makes us different is that we can choose not There's to do something. Yeah, you can, and we can make, do it. Yeah. And we can make compromises and, and live with them. You know, Ultimately, it's just about making a choice. That's right. And it's like you're going to temper your happiness or decide what happiness is or what the negotiation is. What the, it's you know, a negotiation. What the negotiation is. You know, I mean, what I was, I don't know if it's Chris Rock or how many other people said it, but it's like the whole idea between boredom and loneliness. Boredom, you know, boredom being in a relationship that's secure and loneliness being single and fucking around and then home empty alone after it's over with. And it's like, um, I don't know. I mean, where do you want to live? Yeah. Yeah. And also I had a therapist once who said there's no such thing as boredom, just fear. Yeah. And I think that a lot of times when you're in a relationship, what you get into is it just becomes this, it, all it becomes is just an exchange of, 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 of petty quirks and habits. Yeah. That the, the, a dynamic evolves where, where that really becomes a, a, a sort of collective defense mechanism right. against, you know, sadness or pain or fear. And you just get into these habits. Yeah. And, and one day you're like, you know, I, I'm, I can't put up with this shit anymore. Yeah. And depending on how far into it, you, you are the what person is going to go. Well, what, do you, what do you? Yeah. Well, what does that mean? I mean, I thought yeah. everything was fine. Then that like a communication thing happens. It's unresolvable. It's unresolvable, and that's why porn is popular. Absolutely, I mean, it's a big part of it. It's a big part of it. But these guys, I mean, I'm looking at the, you know, the books on the wall. It's yeah. like from Nietzsche to, I mean, whoever the philosopher knew Aristotle. Nobody was able to figure relationships out. No, they didn't. They, they didn't really do that. No, nobody got there. And there's a whole other school of thought around that, and it's a. You know, I, you know, you the hot rate of suicide among these guys is pretty high too. Well, yeah, because you know, truth is a, is a big burden to carry. It's a bitch, ain't yeah, it? Either you're going to kill you or someone's <laughs> going to kill you. Cross the bay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Someone's going to take you. Yeah, down. either you're going to kill you or somebody else is. Yeah, something's going to happen. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it just seems like everybody's got their own thing, but you start to realize, you know, life is short, and you know, you can't spend your life, you know, thinking that something else is going to happen or that or or that you know, it's just over the hill. Yeah, at yeah. some point, you got to like land in the present and go, holy shit. This is it. Another fucking day. Another day, man. Yeah. Every day is judgment day, my friend. Every day. Yeah. Every day. I mean, I, I think that sounds like a reasonable perspective. All right, Dove. I think we did it. Okay, buddy. All right, man. Good talking to you. Okay. I had a great time, but I got to tell you the high point because uh, when I did the open, this hadn't happened yet. But my last show in Scotland, I was playing a basement in a pub called McFab's, which was a little off the beaten track. I literally, there were 15 people in the audience eight of which had seen me. Four had been following me around the entire festival. And then there were three that just happened to drink at that bar, and I think maybe the owner. So literally maybe six people that hadn't seen me. I didn't use a mic because it was unnecessary. It was completely, a lot of it was improvised. And in the middle of my show, or actually towards the beginning of my show, a guy comes into the room with another guy, and I'm performing, and then I see one of the guys walk out. He says, i got to go to the bathroom. And he said it in an accent that I can't do, so fine. And I look at him as he's leaving. I realize, holy fuck, that looks like that actor from a Braveheart and from The Departed, that crazy Irish guy. And I asked the guy who was with him, I said, is that that guy, the actor? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, holy fuck, what's he doing here? I mean, out of all the places? And then I was like starstruck for like you know, the rest of my set because that guy's great. He was great in The Departed. You know, he, he always plays like the crazy wild Irish dude. His name's uh, David O'Hara, and you know, I, I met him after the show. He's like, that was great, man. You're great. I'd love to see you in a real place. 
And I'm like, great, man. I, I'll, I'll try to tell you. He's like, no, come here, man. He gives me a big hug. We're talking. He talked about Los Angeles. He comes from Glasgow and I got his email and, you know, maybe we'll hook up in, uh, when he's out in LA, I'll bring him to a real show. But how's that? Like, how am I still such a fucking fanboy? And that was one of the, the high points of my trip to Scotland and it happened right at the last minute possible. But that's our show. Uh, go to punchlinemagazine.com if you need any comedy information of any sort. Justcoffee.coop if you need to blow your mind and shit your pants. If you live in Cleveland, Ohio, I'll be at the Grog Shop on the 21st of March. And if you live in Washington, D.C., I'll be at the Black Cat on the 22nd. Those are rock clubs. New venue for me. Come on down. Take a trip. And as always, WTFPod.com. Uh, if you want to uh, follow us on Twitter, email the show, donate some money, buy some T-shirts. Thank you for listening. Uh, Mark Maron, Scotland is behind you.